Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33. Beach. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Story Jumpers, welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast. Are you ready to hear a great story? Of course, that's why you're a Story Jumper. Wanted, a superhero to save the world, is an exciting good versus evil battle between a brother and a sister superhero team and the evil Mephisto. It is the first book in the Wanted Superhero series. Enjoy this reading of a chapter from Wanted, a superhero to save the world by Brian Davis, author of several best-selling fantasy adventure series, including worldwide bestseller Dragons in Our Midst and Oracles of Fire. To date, he has written more than 32 novels. Mission Audio presents... Wanted, A Superhero to Save the World, by Brian Davis. Narrated by Ramon Diocampo. Chapter 1 How can you have a secret identity when you share a bedroom with your sister? I sat at my desk chair and aimed the grocery store checkout scanner at my forehead, hoping the trigger's noise wouldn't wake my sister. I glanced at her, asleep in bed. When it's time for school, she can sleep through an atomic blast, but let me try to sneak ice cream at midnight, and she shows up in her padded tigger slippers with a big spoon in her hand. I swear those slippers turn her into a ninja. Taking a deep breath, I pulled the trigger. A bright light flashed for a split second, and a soft beep sounded twice. I turned the scanner around and read its tiny screen. Edward Eddie Hertz. Male, 12 years old, Caucasian, brown hair, brown eyes. Last reported height, 4 feet 7 inches. Last reported weight, 75 pounds. I frowned. Still a shrimp, no matter how much I exercised. That would change if only I could get the courage to try out the super secret invention in my closet. At least the scanner worked perfectly. I touched my forehead. Obviously, the data liquid had penetrated the cells and left an invisible marker under my skin. It might last only a few months, but for now, it looked like another success. The trickier step came next. I sat gently on my sister's bed. My head bumped her toy dragon suspended by a string from the ceiling. Covered with feathers she had plucked from a bluebird that splatted against our window, The dragon carried a tiny female humanoid made out of marshmallows, toothpicks, and yarn. A fairy princess. But I could never remember the ugly thing's super long name. I aimed the scanner at my sister's forehead. It had taken all day to figure out how to get the data into her skin. Offering to paint her face with sparkle makeup worked like a charm. I pulled the trigger. The scanner flashed and beeped twice. 
Again, I read the screen. Samantha Sam Hertz. Female, eight years old, Caucasian, brown hair, hazel eyes. Last reported height, four feet, two inches. Last reported weight, 55 pounds. Perfect. Now, if Sam were ever kidnapped, I could track the marker and identify her, no matter how much a villain changed her appearance. Smiling, I touched the A emblem on the front of my shirt. Archimedes, the boy superhero, had succeeded once again. I breathed the name in a whisper. Archimedes. I had chosen that name for several reasons. For one, he was among the greatest scientists of all time. But the main reason is simply that it was a cool Greek name just like the name of the most amazing guy on the planet, Damocles. I looked at a framed photo on my desk, an autographed picture of Damocles I won in an art contest. I drew a comic strip of him rescuing my mother from our burning apartment building and sent it to join probably 10,000 drawings scrawled by other young hero worshippers. And I won! Of course, he probably didn't judge the drawings himself, and the autograph might have been stamped on the photo by an assistant, but maybe, just maybe, the assistant told Damocles the winner's name. If Eddie Hertz passed into his ears at some point, that was enough for me. I looked at my wristwatch, a mega-cool one I built from a pocket watch in a digital timer. The combination gave it an old-fashioned face and a multi-mode LED numeric readout at the center. The hands pointed at 12.10 a.m., and the digital readout agreed. Danger always lurked in the city of Nirvana, and I was late for midnight patrol. Of course, the city already had Damocles to watch over the citizens, but he couldn't be everywhere at once. They needed a backup and I was just the kid for the job. A cool breeze stirred the curtains of our second-floor apartment's window. Easy access to our room was a safety hazard, so I always closed the window when I went to bed or out on patrol. Street lamps outside could take the place of a nightlight, though Sam insisted that we leave a glowing blue fairy princess light plugged into an outlet. She claimed that the fairy watched over us at night, a dumb idea, of course, but I didn't tell her so. At least, not more than a couple of times. A rattling hum drifted in from outside. Strange. It sounded like a motor of some kind, but not like a car or truck engine. It slowly increased in volume, as if a machine were warming up. I laid the scanner on my desk and fastened my gadget's belt around my waist, along with the attachments. Two spool lines with grappling claws, a portable hologram projector, a paintball pistol, a knife in a sheath, a glass cutter, two suction cups, two coils of wire, adhesive tape, a pair of gloves, a razor disc gun, and a laser pen. Everything was ready, except that my solar-powered laser pen needed a charge. But how could I turn on a light without waking Sam? I spotted the nightlight next to the desk. It wouldn't provide much juice, but it should be enough for one patrol. 
crouching, I set the pen's butt end against the bulb. As the nightlight dimmed, the red LED power meter on the pen's side slowly increased. 5%, 8%, The bulb popped, shattering the glass. I staggered back and landed with a whomp on Sam's bed. My head smacked the dragon and sent it swaying back and forth, inches in front of my face. What are you doing, Eddie? Sam squinted at me from her pillow. Remnants of sparkle paint glittered on her face. I hid the laser pen behind my back. Just checking on you? To make sure I'm asleep so you can raid the fridge? She sat up and halted the fairy's arcing dragon ride. We're out of ice cream and cookies. Mom says we can't afford them till next paycheck. I brushed a sparkle from her cheek. Can't a brother be concerned for his sister's welfare? You can't fool me. One eye closed halfway. I see a strawberry Pop-Tart crumb on your lip. If you really cared about me, you wouldn't be sneaking those into our room. I swiped the crumb away with my sleeve. You're not that allergic to strawberries. Am so. She laid a hand against her forehead and put on her I'm-so-dramatic expression. If I even breathe the vapors, I am likely to swoon. I rolled my eyes. Mimicking Princess Queenie, her favorite cartoon superhero, was making Sam way too theatrical. Sometimes she had no clue what she was saying. Give me a break. When Mom made strawberry shortcake last week, you licked the spoon and the bowl and the baking tin. She added the strawberries later, genius. And you should talk about eating too much. You snuck food in here three nights in a row. Mom never said I couldn't. I shrugged. I've been working out a lot. I get hungry at night. And you're wearing that weird costume. She resumed her suspicious stare. Are you going out again? Going out? What are you talking about? I've seen you. Night before last and the night before that. What are you, some kind of spy camera? I got up from the bed and walked to my closet, stealthily sliding my laser pen back to my belt. Now I had to get my mask without Sam noticing. And it's not a costume. I just modified an Alabama football jersey. Take me with you, at least this once, or I'm telling Mom. I spun back and wiggled my fingers in a creepy way. Mephisto's gang would skin you alive and eat your kidneys. He's a mass murderer. He's a mass murderer, she said in a mocking tone. You made him up just to scare me. The hum outside grew louder. I had to get out there to see what was going on. Mephisto's real. Get your head out of your comic books and you'll hear about him. Everyone in town talks about Mephisto. She crossed her arms in front. I still don't believe in him. Right. I touched the dragon and made it sway again but you believe in fairy princesses. Because they're real. 
I see them in the mirror when there's a full moon, and when you try to touch them, they burst into a zillion sparkles. And when you try to catch them, the sparkles go right through your hand. I know. You've told me a thousand times. I pushed her down to the pillow and pulled the cover up to her chin. There's no full moon tonight, fairy princess. So go back to sleep. If you don't take me with you... Sam slid out of bed and marched past me toward my closet. I'll show Mom what you're working on in there. No! I leaped ahead of her and blocked the door. My closet is off limits. You keep quiet, and I'll get you another Princess Quirky book. She stomped her foot. Princess Queenie. Whatever. I reached into the closet and grabbed my mask from a shelf. At this point, it didn't really matter what she saw. I tell you what, if you prove you can keep my patrols a secret, then I'll tell you an even bigger secret when I get back. At least a hint now, or I won't believe you. She set a fist on her hip. I knew that stance. Stubborn. I had to throw her a bone. Something harmless. But what would work? A gunshot pierced the silence. Then another. Not unusual for our neighborhood, but Mom still might check on us. I had to hurry. Listen, when I get back, I'll tell you what I'm working on in the closet. If Mom comes in, pretend to be asleep. Got it? Sporting a victory smile, she nodded. Don't get smug. I tousled her hair, partly because I liked her, mostly because it annoyed her. Now, give me a princess power pledge. She raised her hand. I slapped my palm against hers, and we burped at the same time. Remember, I said, shaking a finger. If you break the promise, your stomach will explode and all your guts will spill out. Now go to sleep. You got it. She dashed to her bed and slid under the covers. Finally. As I pulled my flexible cow mask over my head, I imagined Mom peering out her window to look for the source of the gunshots. She would come to check on us at any moment. I flipped a switch on my closet's inner wall. At my bed, a holographic image appeared, myself under the covers. The projector was my greatest feat to date, though the new invention in my closet would surpass it if I could get it to work. A shudder ran down my arms. That was one contraption I hadn't dared try on myself. Sure, I wanted to be a real superhero like Damocles, but I hadn't trusted my cell manipulation ray on a human yet. It was just too dangerous. Leaning into my closet, I looked at the switch on the rear wall, disguised as a black widow spider. All I had to do was flip it, and the ray would bathe me in energizing ion emissions. Or maybe fatally scramble my brain. I shuddered. Not yet. Maybe tomorrow. Footsteps creaked beyond our bedroom door. I rushed to the window, climbed out, and dropped to the fire escape landing. After closing the sash, I crouched and peeked inside. 
Mom opened the door. Light poured in from the hall. Still wearing her waitress smock, she walked close to each bed, then approached the window, looking worried as usual. Ever since Dad died, she never seemed to be as... I shook the thought away. I had to concentrate. Pressing my back against the brick wall, I watched her out of the corner of my eye. She gazed through the glass for a moment before locking the window. No problem. With all the gadgets on my belt, getting back inside would be a breeze. The moment she left and closed the bedroom door, I pulled the laser pen from my belt, flicked it on, and aimed the beam at the street lamp near the alley entrance about 30 feet away. The beam locked on the lamp's electronic eye. Two seconds later, the light blinked off and cast our alley in dim, angular shadows. Now, under the cover of darkness, I threw a line from one of the belt's spools. The claw on the end looped around the street lamp's protruding metal arm again and again until it stopped with a clink. I pulled on the line, good and tight. Of course, I could use the fire escape ladder, but I never missed a chance to practice. I leaped from the landing and swung down. When I neared the street, I pushed the detach button on the spool. The line released, and I hit the ground running. Without slowing, I made a right turn at the alley entrance toward the sound of the mechanical hum. The street lamp, now behind me, flashed on. I ducked into a shadow at the side of the closest building, the bank where Mom kept her money. I craned my neck to listen. The hum seemed to be coming from inside the building. A bank robbery? If so, why all that noise? Mephisto wouldn't be so careless, and he already robbed a bank last week. Being repetitive didn't fit his pattern. Maybe this new robbery was a diversion. A stunt designed to attract the police to keep them busy while Mephisto pulled off a bigger crime. A reasonable theory. But so far, the street remained deserted. A scrap of paper drifted on a breeze and settled at my feet. I snatched it up and scanned it. A bank deposit slip. I walked to the bottom of three steps that led to the bank's entry and eyed the wide-open front door. Suspicious. Very suspicious. Real burglars would have hidden their tracks, but why would they disable the alarm and then be so careless about the obvious break-in? The pieces weren't coming together. I jogged to the top of the steps and sneaked inside. At the lobby's far wall, a thick metal door stood open. Probably the safe. The hum emanated from there, maybe a drill bit grinding through the metal of an interior door. I hurried back to the stairs and looked up at the underside of the entryway's overhanging awning. Yes, this would be perfect. Working quickly, I withdrew a pair of wire coils from my belt, reeled them out a few feet, added adhesive tape to the two ends, and threw them upward. They stuck to the awning. Now, two wires dangled, one on each side of the stairs. With a push of a button at the wire's bottom ends, I activated a stun field between the two lines. The field gave off a slight buzz. Not good. The robbers might hear it. 
I withdrew the hologram projector from my belt, spun the dial, and browsed the images in the memory. A cop with a rifle? No, they would back off from him. A woman juggling bananas? No, that would be stupid. A bag of money. Perfect. Just the bait I needed to make them ignore the noise and faceplant right into unconsciousness. I jumped to the side of the stairs, backed into a shadow, and pointed the hologram projector at the bottom step. When I pushed the button, a fabric bag appeared, the size of a big pumpkin. Hundred-dollar bills stuck out through a drawstring at the top. Now, I just had to wait. Across the street, a human form prowled along the rooftop of a three-story building. Mephisto? I shook my head. Not his style. Tunneling with a magna gopher, yes. Bulldozing with an octopus tank, definitely. But sneaking across a roof? Alone? No way. The form dashed briefly through a light, revealing an unmistakable cowl mask. Black and gray covering his face, except for his eyes, nose, and mouth. Just like mine. I swallowed through a tight throat. Damocles? Wow, I can't wait to see what kind of adventures Eddie Hertz and his sister Samantha are going to get into. At 12 years old, I can't even imagine being a superhero. Brian, welcome to Story Jumpers. Thank you, it's great to be here. You have got a huge imagination. Where did you ever come up with the, the idea that a kid could be a superhero? Well, when I was growing up, my hero, my superhero I always wanted to be like was, was Batman. Because Batman came up with his own gadgets. He didn't have any uh, super strength because, you know, born in a, uh, a foreign world. He just trained himself. And I wanted to come up with a kid who would try to do the same thing, his, his own hero was a superhero with, of the same mold. So he wanted to be that. He wanted to train himself. And he didn't have any natural physical abilities. So I wanted him to use his brain to bring about the superhero qualities that he wanted. And at the same time, I wanted him to learn from his, his heart. I wanted him to, uh, all of his desires to be a superhero to come from his heart as well as his brain. And that's really where our heroism comes from, is our hearts. Uh, that, that was my idea. Wow. Well, it has come together in a beautiful way. And there's several books in this whole series. Mephisto seems like evil trouble. What was there? Was there an inspiration behind Mephisto? Is there somebody you had in mind that you didn't like that you used to work with? Where did this guy come from? <laughs> well, as you know, in every superhero story, there is that big bad guy. Uh, you know, Superman had his Lex Luthor and Batman had he had several of them, really. You know, the Riddler and the Penguin and the Joker. Uh, you always have to have that larger than life bad guy who's so bad you can't imagine anybody being so bad. I don't know anybody in this world who is as evil as Mephisto. <laughs> uh, so we try to make him larger than life to make the uh, opponent seem unbeatable so our heroes can rise up to the occasion with their own heroism. Because if it's an easy defeat, there's not much of a heroism, is it? No, that's for sure. 
Well, I'm sure that they've got a lot of trouble to face uh, ahead of them. Tell me, do do they go further than protecting just their city? Are they are they starting to have to defend the whole world by the time we get through the series? Well, the reason it's called a uh, superhero to save the world is because Mephisto has said once he conquers the city, he's going to use his technology and go throughout the world to conquer the entire world. So they're going to have to deal with their own city first to stop him in his tracks, so to speak. Great. Excellent. Now, when you think of a superhero story, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I'll ever be dipped in uh, gamma radiation and come out glowing green with super strength. That would be my big dream. I always love the Incredible Hawk. Superhero stories, they, they tend to inspire us. They tend to tell us about ourselves, things that we don't only know that are like dormant in ourselves, like you say, in our heart or in our head. Where can readers in your story find guidance for their spiritual lives? Well, in the story, uh, you'll see both characters learning to sacrifice for each other. And that's where true heroism comes from. It says, I'm going to risk myself to do something good and courageous for your benefit. And not just for Eddie, for his sister, or Samantha, for her brother, but also for other people in the city they don't even know very well. So we, our true heroism lies in what we're willing to risk in order to give it up for someone else's benefit. Someone you love, and maybe someone who doesn't really love you. And that's where true love lies, is when we love people who are not so easy to love. And uh, that's throughout this story. Very good. So you've written 32 novels and you've got several series. That's a lot of words, Brian. <laughs> I can't even imagine where you would start. Let's say a story jumper wanted to start writing their own stories. How would you recommend that they get started? I always start with a character who doesn't seem to be a likely hero, like Eddie. He's 12 years old. He calls himself scrawny. He wants to be strong. You might know from the story so far that his father's not around. And he wants to be strong for his mom and for his sister to protect them. So not only someone who doesn't seem like a likely hero, but someone who has a desire to be a hero. Think of Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. He didn't look like much of a hero, but he wanted to be. He wanted to be uh, to make a difference in the world. So I start with a character and then I write in that character's ordinary world. Being an ordinary person, he he wants to seek something better. So I create what we call a crisis that ruins his ordinary world and causes him to have to seek something better. And that launches him on what we call a hero's journey. And that's that's the kind of story that I think all kids love, going on that journey with the hero. And that's how I start my book. Well, I know that I love going on a hero's journey. I love being there with the hero when they're conquering evil. And I think that the story jumpers who listen to this clip of Wanted, a superhero to save the world, are going to feel exactly the same way. I cannot wait to hear what some of our listeners think about Eddie Hurt and his sister. I think they will, too. This is going to be a lot of fun. And um, if there is a time that we can have you back to talk about more of your stories, would you join us? Sure. I'd love to. Excellent, Brian. Thanks so much. Parents, 
Wanted, a superhero to save the world, is recommended for children ages 8 and older. Brian Davis is the author of nine different best-selling fantasy, adventure, and mystery series suitable for your entire family. To date, he has written more than 32 novels, along with various nonfiction works and children's books, with total sales reaching more than 1 million copies. He lives in western Tennessee with his wife Susie, where they homeschool their four girls and three boys. His passion for the written word, reading, and writing has taken many forms and explored multiple genres, including theology, fiction, devotionals, poetry, and humor. You can learn more about his writing at daviscrossing.com and pick up his books on Amazon. Amazon. 